welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. This week on the ABCA podcast is ABCA ATEC and JCA Division I Coach of the Year, Marty Smith. Smith has been the head coach of the College of Central Florida for 28 seasons with 865 career wins. Patriots finished this season with 56 wins and winning their first World Series championship in Grand Junction. Smith has a long history in the game, has been around some of the best coaches we have, had playing for Paul Maneri at St. Thomas and coaching with Demi Maneri at Miami Dade. Smith has a tremendous track record of producing high-level four-year college and professional baseball players. It's a great episode on being a lifelong learner. Smith has continued to push the College of Central Florida program forward by adjusting with the times. Welcome Marty Smith to the podcast. I'm here with Marty Smith, Kyle DeCentra, Florida, ABCA ATEC Coach of the Year, 30-plus seasons, uh, one of two active coaches to reach 800 wins in the FCS SAA and uh, NJCA Championship this year. So congrats, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, what's the Maneri family meant to your career? Uh, a lot. Gave me my start. I uh, played for you, you know, played my last two years for Paul uh, at St. Thomas, and it was his first gig. He was a pretty young buck there too, but a lot. I mean, uh, coached me for two years and led me in the direction of his dad, who I went to work for. So, absolutely huge part of my career, um, and just learned a lot from both um, as a player and as a coach. I was with uh, Paul for two years and Doc for two years and just incredible uh the, the start that i was able to get because of that family and those guys do you have any documentary stories oh ones that you can tell <laughs> yeah I, I can tell a, a bunch of them uh oh here's a great one uh we're, we're and it's quick I, it, it might i'm sorry it might take some time but we're uh my first day on the job now first day on the job i'm sitting in the office with doc Maneri. It's cut down day and we got to cut from like 80 to about probably 50. And I mean, this is Miami Dade, 1988, really good. Already had 27 big leaguers and 
<clears throat> I'm sitting in the office with Doc and just one after another, cut, 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 just coming in a little three to five minute meeting with each player. And it took a long time. And I sat there. This is my first day on the job um, because I got hired at, <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of the season uh, because the coach left. And and uh, I just I just jumped in. That was my first day um, just to meet the players that were still there and just sit in with the coaches. Uh, cut, 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 cut. And the kids are just kind of wearing it and walking out of the room. Well, he, he tried to cut one kid and the kid said, uh, uh, the, the reason for the cut was he said, uh, you know, you got to drive in runs, Alexis. I don't think you have a position. And if you don't have a position, you really got to drive in runs. And he, he was going to continue to talk. And Alexis stopped him in the middle of that and said, I can drive in runs. And it was the first kid that had pushed back and 30 to 40 kids, the first kid that had pushed back, the rest wore it, walked out of the meeting and went on with their lives. Alexis said, I can drive in runs. He said, I can knock in runs. And he said, uh, he said, what's that? He said, I can knock in runs. Well, Tony Simone was our other assistant coach. He was our pitching coach. Doc looked at Tony and he said, you know, there's been a lot of kids in here. He's the first one that's looked me in the eye and told me he can knock in runs. He said, you can knock in runs, Alexis. Alexis said, I can knock in runs. I thought Doc was going to jump across the table and say, hey, don't argue with me or whatever. He didn't. He looked at him. He said, you got two more weeks. Alexis said, okay, thank you. He didn't have a position, but he could hit. We go, we're on the field the next day. There's two fields. There's an A field and a B field at Miami-Dade North. Alexis is on the B field with the guys struggling to make the team. The A field's playing an inter-squad game that those were the guys from last year and the goes guys that were the top probably 30. We have these uh, little, little, little uh, walkie-talkies that go back and forth. It was my second day on the job, first day on the field. I'm on the A field with Doc, and Doc is kind of pointing out players to me, including Mike Piazza, Tom Duffin, some really, really good players. Um, and and these are these this guy does this, this guy does this, and over the over the radio, Tony Simone's on the B field. He goes, "Hey, remember that kid Alexis Leal that said he could drive in runs?" He said, "Yeah, I remember him." He said, "Well, he just drove in four, including himself. He had hit a grand slam on the B field." And Doc kind of gave me that twinkle in his eye, and he goes, "I told you that kid." He looked me in the eye, and blah blah blah. That kid ended up making the team, batting fifth, hitting behind Mike Piazza, Tom Duffin, led the team in RBIs, led the team in RBIs, drove in more runs than any player, and uh, went on to a nice little Division II career there at Barry, where he drove in a lot of runs, caught a little, played some first, really didn't have a position. Uh, uh, you know, something I learned on day one of my coaching job is basically, you know, if a kid looks you in the eye and, and is stern and, and wants to, you know, bounce back at you a little bit, maybe listen to him and you'll learn something from it. And I've shared that story with many people. And then Doc, uh, I, I should talk to him. He talked to my team in 1997 when we won the state uh, in Kissimmee. And I reminded him of that story that happened in 88, which was, I guess, uh, 11, uh, nine years before that. We had a good laugh about that and the career that Alexis had. And that's my best Doc Maneri story. And that was, a, that was a good one. Is that the key to success is betting on yourself? Um, ah, it could be. Absolutely. I mean, it could be as far as, you know, that, that, that kid just kind of stood up and it, it was an interesting day. Yeah. 
What yeah. were you doing before you got to Dade then? If you're just you're waiting, you got there in the middle of the year. What were you doing before Dade? I'm, I finished my playing career for Paul in uh, 86, 87. I was there in uh, in I was there in the fall of 87. Uh, playing some intramural sports, finishing my degree, and helping Paul out a little bit as a just a helper there at the at the uh, at St. Thomas. I was a graduate. Paul and Doc had set up a, a, a pro contract um, for me to go to Italy and play in January, um, and that's what I was going to do because um, it was pro baseball and I didn't have any other options. And pro baseball sounded good to me, no matter where it was. So I was going to go to Italy and in February and just play a little pro baseball, which I think in Italy was running some kids camps through the week and playing on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, obviously the minor leagues uh, in Italy. And I was going to do that. So I had my heart set on that. And then all of a sudden, Paul just, uh, uh, I was out at the field and he said, Hey, my dad, <clears throat> he's a coach over there. He's lost one in the middle of the season, you know, throw some BP coach third base and get your foot in the door and uh, think about it over the weekend. So I did. And on Monday, I was sitting in that office during cut down meetings and uh, my career had started. Was the goal to always go back to College of Central Florida? Did you always want to go back? Not really. Uh, I didn't think I just wanted to coach. I was at Dade North for two years. Then I went to FCCJ in Jacksonville for one year with Howard Roy. We won a state championship there. So once I started coaching, I just wanted to coach. And uh, <clears throat> my AD that, that was the AD when I played at Central Florida kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of reached out to me and said, hey, <clears throat> you know, our, our uh, the guy that you played for, Marty Martinson, is is uh, getting towards the retirement years and we need a good young coach in here. Would you come in and be his assistant for a couple of years? And if everything works out, take over in a few years. So, I, I mean, I couldn't say no to that. It wasn't a whole lot of money. And thank God my wife was my fiance at the time was uh, working for the post office and, and making a living for us. So um, I went back to Ocala and, and chased that dream. And just, you know, as an assistant, 91 through 94 and uh, and took over in 95. So to say that that was in my sights, probably not. Not until he said, hey, you know, come down for and be an assistant in a couple of years and hopefully it'll work out. And thank goodness that it did. Have you had a chance to reflect on the season? I mean, great year, 56 and 7. Did you know coming out of the fall that you guys had a chance to do what you did? Yeah. You know, people ask you all the time in the fall, whether it be other coaches or whoever, how do you like your club? How do you like your club? This is probably the first year I've ever said, you know, it's the most talent we've ever had. And we're going to be pretty good. My answer to that question usually is, I'll tell you in March, I'll tell you in April. I'm not sure. I think we're pretty good, but you never know with injuries and everything else. So this was the first year I said, you know, it's the most talent we've ever had. So hopefully if we can just play well, we'll be okay. I never, never said, Hey, we're going to win a national championship in, in March or April, probably early April. I probably told my team, you know, you guys are good. If you guys just play well, and I'm not talking play great. If you play good baseball, if you play well, uh, we got a chance to win a national championship because, uh, we, we were good. We were talented. We were really good. We lost our number one starter. He had already gone down and we had gotten over that hump to uh, to make up for, for him going down. So, you know, it's the first time I've ever told my team in, in early April that you guys could win a national championship. Really only hiccups were against Santa Fe during the year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. They were good. They were playing real well. We, we got them 
it was like our last series of the conference that, that, that started the first time through. Uh, they had a pitcher that really, really threw well against us. And yeah, we went four and four against them and they were really good and, and talented. And, <clears throat> and I, I think we were a little more talented than they were um, at the end of the year. They were playing better than we were at the beginning of the conference season. But uh, I think our, our talent just kind of just kind of out talented them um, when it came, you know, to beating the other teams and and uh, and and finishing ahead of them in the conference. Do you like your conference schedule? It's interesting. You play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, correct? Yeah, but they changed that this year. They changed that. We went from uh, uh, in Florida, <clears throat> we went from uh, four conferences, Suncoast, west side of Florida, uh, southern, down south, mid Florida, which is us up to Jacksonville, and then uh, a Panhandle. There were four conferences. Now there's just two, a Panhandle conference and then a rest of the state um 12 12 in one side and five in the other and uh, we don't cross um we just play 11 teams three times so it'll be thursday saturday thursday single game saturday double header home and home um if there's any rain we have friday and sunday for makeups it's first year we've done it it's a little funky uh first year we've done it in florida and we'll we'll kind of see how it goes but I think they had to do that to to get all the teams in the same conference and get basketball and all the other sports aligned. So it's a little different. It's it's Thursday, Saturday now, three games a week, where it used to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and you'd play a four-game set against one team in that uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's a long – that's a lot of games. I mean, I've coached in conferences where you played four games. That's a lot of games to play one team. Yeah, we, we, it was a four-team conference, so we played three teams eight times, 24 games. Does it, it get it's... chippy at the end? It all, you know, in, no, the, no. in the Summit it, League, it like, we we played everybody twice, and it just seemed like the second time that you played them, like, things got a little chippy with, with teams at times. No, because all the coaches in there do a good job. All the coaches in our conference do a good job of controlling that. And uh, it, it would, and it could, and it can, I, I would think. And we were a little concerned about that, but everybody, every all the coaches in our conference, um, hats off, man. They, they, we all agree that uh, you know we're we're just not going to go there. We're just not going to go there. What, what does Grand Junction mean to junior college baseball? It's unbelievable. People don't understand. I went out in '97, '98, uh, you know, and uh, that was my my third and fourth year as a head coach, and thought it was going to be easy. Um, it, it wasn't. We didn't get back for 24 years, so that made it special to go back last year in 22. You know, the crowds, the, the committees, the, 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 what they do around year-round to, to put that thing on. I mean, there's a committee for everything, for everything, and they do it really well. And um, obviously, it's Jamie Hamilton at this top, but there's, you know, so many guys uh, out there that – year-round work their butts off so that uh, 10 teams from around the country, JUCO guys, man, can come in there and just have the experience of their lifetime. And I think <clears throat> probably four of our six games this year were, were uh, <clears throat> 10, 10,500 or 11,000 or more. Um, and kids just having a great experience, so well-organized. 
um, everything. I mean, from the hotel to committee to the rental car committee to the dang baseball card committee. It, it's unbelievable what they do out there to to put on a show for the community of Grand Junction and for the kids that go out there and, and are able to play. So we have a 24-year layoff, and I get back out there in, in uh, <clears throat> 2022, and, and things are the same, but things are different. You know, the stadium's obviously been renovated a couple times, but still, the, the, the committees are working around the clock, and everything's running like clockwork, and uh, just the tournament runs so well and, and it's so well organized and, the, you know, it's the same old stuff. It's, it's, but, but, but really what was running well in 97, 98, it's run well in 22 and 23. And uh, I think kids probably won't, won't, won't realize it until maybe they, and this is, you know, until we've had kids the, the, the next year in the division two world series and they go, Ooh, it's, it's, you know, not quite the attendance and not quite the, uh, the uh, uh i don't know what the word is that that juco was you know that juco was um but uh, they don't realize it until you know they you know they see omaha and there's 23 25,000 people there but this is the next thing right after omaha it's mini omaha for sure did it help you all this year getting there last year I think so. We only had two position player returnees and one uh, pitcher returnee and he was the one that was hurt yeah yeah organized time management um you know things to do things to turn down uh probably helped us i i it had to have helped us well yeah for you i mean what were some things that maybe you did last year that maybe you were like okay we're not going to do that this year as a group got in a, got it got in a day and a half earlier than we did last year little things like that <clears throat> flew into denver stayed in denver <clears throat> watched a Rockies game and then drove over the next day. We worked out at Regis High School there, right, right out in Aurora, I think it is, um, and then went to the Rockies game. Whereas last year we did that trip in a day. Uh, you leave Ocala <clears throat> at four in the morning, drive to the Orlando airport, uh, go through that TSA in Orlando, get on a plane at 8.30, fly to Denver, uh get your get wait for your bus get on your bus drive to grand junction that's a five hour drive in a bus and obviously it's a beautiful drive and you're looking around all day but drive to grand junction, I get to grand junction at nine o'clock at night so i mean it, it knocks out two days one of that long travel and the next day you're worn out you're worn out so you, the biggest thing was getting in there uh, a day earlier than we did last year and then we get out there and we find out teams have been out there since monday and tuesday and we said shoot we're still getting here late so um you know getting used they say the air and things like that i think it's more the the air that affects the breaking ball than it does your breathing and your in your uh your your system there so i mean it, it takes a couple days for for a pitcher to, to figure out what exactly that breaking ball is going to do so I mean, how difficult yep. is it to win that tournament with 10 teams? <clears throat> yeah, it's not easy because the teams are really good. Um, and you have to, you know, I, I got some advice from Jeff Johnson at Chipola, who's won the thing a couple of times and been out there many times. And Jeff and I talked at least twice before we went out um, with some really good advice. And, uh, you know, it's just tough. You, you, you get a day off here and there. Um, it's, but if you've played in our state tournament in Florida, like I have for the last, you know, 30 years, that is an 18 tournament 
that takes place in four or five days and it's just a grind so the 10 team tournament that takes place over seven or eight days looks like a piece of cake compared to that that 18 florida tournament we used to do we switched that up now but whoo that that 18 it was if you didn't get out of there without ruining a pitcher's arm it was a miracle so is that was that an old like Omaha format where it's a straight eight team double elimination tournament? Yes, yes. So you didn't have the two sides no, that they do now. Except, no, they don't know. Except they the, even if you win the winners bracket, you play an extra game in that old eight team bracket that we had. It was a funky bracket, but you played every day. You did not get a day off. You played every day, and it was it would start on a Friday and end on a Tuesday, and it was a absolute uh just tough 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 tournament so the 10 team tournament in uh in grand junction is is easy in the eight days that you do it in compared to what we used to do in florida but the teams are so good out there and you just have to you know you, you have to deal with with kids <clears throat> playing in front of 11 10 000 people and and just just that's that's a little different to a kid to an 18 year old that's been playing in front of hundred girlfriends and parents for, for the 30 games they were at home and on the road or the 50 games they played during the season. So that's a little different, but once you get over that, uh, it's, it's unbelievable fun out there. I mean, we went our four trips out there, we've been 0 and 2, 1 and 2, 1 and 2, and then we won it. So, you know, we're just, uh, and the first time we're in the mode of, you know, it's good to be out here, but then it's time you kind of buckle down and maybe, play a little deeper than one and two in these things. So we, we, it was, uh, the tournament was crazy. We, we, obviously we run ruled the team on Saturday and then on, on Monday we got run ruled. So here we were again, staring one and two in the face. And now it's, it's a tough tournament to win. You got to have some pitching. You got to <clears throat> probably use your pitching the right way and get players some rest here and there if you're deep enough to do that. How do you prep for that? I mean, you haven't been in, in those types of crowds. I mean, how do you prep your players for that? Or you just got to go play? You, you try to explain it to them. It helped for uh, the two guys that we had, the three guys we had returning this year, to be able to tell the players that and not me. You know, me, I'm dad. I, uh, I they, they, they listen to me like your kids listen to you. But if they hear it from the other players that were out there, um, if they hear from the players that were out there, you know, it, it might mean a little lot. Our two guys, Carson Bain and John Morant, who were out there with us last year, were a big part of us on both years. And, you know, when they tell them, hey, look, this is how it is and it's crazy and they they understand. Uh, so that that helped a little bit. Yeah, I've been to Enid the last three years and it seems like there's some Division One JUCOs now transitioning back to Division Two in Florida. Um, are you seeing that a little bit more and more? Yeah, well, I think it's 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 done it in the last two three years, but I think it's kind of settled in as to what it's going to be. Hopefully, we lost uh, about five teams from Division One to Division Two. We used to have twenty two <clears throat> Division Ones, and now there's seventeen and five, seventeen and five Division Twos. Give your assistants some love. You got you got a large staff. You got five assistants. It's a large staff. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Um, Peyton Trawick, I, I just lost. I don't know if it's public knowledge yet, but Peyton went to Arkansas State with Tommy Raffo. He is an Arkansas guy. Did a great job on the recruiting side, um, on the pitching coach side. Um, did a fantastic job um, getting the pitchers better and recruiting 
seems like 24 hours a day. He was really, really good and deserved a, obviously a spot to get, move up into a full-time division one job because this is not a full-time. None of these positions are full-time that I have. Um, John Koenigsfeld's been with me a long time, almost 10, I think 11 years now. John played for me. He was a Gulf South Conference Commissioner's Cup Award winner, uh, valedictorian of his high school. I don't know how he got in baseball. He's way too smart to do that, but he's he's uh, works with our infielders and pitchers. Unbelievable, just a steady Eddie guy that's been beside me for, for 10, 11 years and played for me back in 07, but he graduated so quickly. It was only one year. Um, unbelievable. John, just steady Eddie, third base coach, uh, hitting side. Jason Rose is our hitting coach. Uh, and we have two guys that do the hitting, John and Jason both do that. But Jason's uh, been with the Blue Jays um, a little bit, and I'm pretty sure he'll be gone this this professional hiring season. Really, really good. We've broken records on the home run side, on the, on the batting average side, on every side of offense for the last two years. Jason's unbelievable. Um, Jason Rose, he'll, he'll be probably with a pro team after this fall, I'm guessing. Um, but just does a really, really good job with our hitters. Um, I mean, everything, video, data, um, really prepares our hitters well for games. And if you can look at our stats and our records that we've set over the last couple of years, you'll see that. Tony Voro has been with me two years. He's two for two and going to Grand Junction with us. And he thinks it's easy, but it's not that easy. He's our first base coach and works with our catchers. Unbelievable kid, great relationship with all the players. Um, actually lives uh, what his uh, position is and also in a, a room in the apartments with our kids. So he has to deal with them over there on a somewhat of a RA type uh, position. Plus uh, he does our, our fields and our maintenance um, on our fields and coaches first base and uh, handles the catchers. Unbelievable, just does a wonderful job. And then uh, David Houts Hooter is our... Uh, Kind of our uh, data slash tagger slash scorekeeper slash fungo hitter slash retired from Florida Power and Light after a nice 30 to 35 year career with them and just moved up to Florida and wanted to be involved. Uh, uh, Steve Hertz from Miami Dade called me. Uh, 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 Freddie Burnside from from Southridge High School called me and just said, "Hey, Hooter's moving up there and he's retiring and he wants to be involved with baseball." So he's he's two for three and going to Grand Junction with us and just a good baseball mind that I lean on. That's probably a year or two older than me that uh, is able to just uh, get everything done that we need done that he can do from anything from announcing games to to uh to the data stuff to hitting a fungo throwing a little bp or doing whatever so five guys that are just really valuable that all have their own little niche that they help us and make me look really really good because they're unbelievable so what are your main responsibilities then day to day uh oversee stay out of the way know that what we do and what they teach me is important um i'm i'm really really good at uh at uh being smart enough to know that I don't know everything and that I've learned more from my assistant coaches. I've lost, I think, six to professional baseball in the last seven years. The The smartest thing that I do is listen to them and know that I don't know it all. And I've learned so much in the last, since 2017, six years from those guys, um, the, the six guys that are in pro ball now. <clears throat> that kind of got us on this player development path that we've been on 
and sending players to the next level, winning a lot of games and getting a lot of credit for for uh, listening to them. Honestly, really, really good. There's one thing I'll take credit for. It's 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 uh, knowing that they know a lot more than I do. Some of the the assistant coaches that I've had. And I have, I, I bring, you know, whatever, 35 years of junior college Florida baseball experience. But uh, uh, you tie that together with, with some of the good young coaches that I have and being able to listen to them. And it's a, it's a dangerous combination. We won some games as a byproduct of just trying to get our players better and, <clears throat> and uh, getting them stronger and, and doing things that we know uh that that will get them better and get them to good schools how long did it take you to figure that piece out the delegation piece that that was hard for me as a head coach the delegation piece uh i've never i don't think i'm a a big ego guy as far as me but i just did stupid things i just i just did i wasn't real smart did the same old crap from 90 uh you know as i took over from 95 to 2016 because we won the state championship in 97 98 and i'm you know we it worked then but no it, it didn't i we got stale and we we did things you know we 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 i coached baseball and we did the normal stuff but <clears throat> i think we spent too much time on certain things and not enough time on certain things and um the delegating part, now, I knew I had really good, smart assistants. Zach Bove is, is the assistant pitching coach for the Royals now in the big leagues. He's worked his way up from being with the Twins to being a coordinator with the Twins to now being in the big leagues. And, and um, you know, five other guys, including my son, who's with the Twins as an assistant hitting coordinator. Um, that had just been, you know, they, it was easy to convince me what they were doing was right because they were reading a lot more than I was. And, and now I read a little bit more and understand uh, a little bit more of what they were trying to explain to me. And so um, to answer your question, it, it didn't take long. It, it, these guys were smart and, it, and I was uh, gonna have to be really, really stupid and hardheaded not to listen and uh, grow with the game a little bit. I mean, what was the strength of your team? Was it overall? I mean, obviously the numbers were great, hitting, pitching, defense. I mean, two guys, obviously, Kara Valentin and then Brian Holiday. I, mean, I was going to ask you, Brian Holiday, he had, what, 15 starts and one, one appearance out of the boat. When was his save? Uh, I was in the World Series on Wednesday, on Tuesday in the World Series. Yeah, through 15. It was his bullpen day. What he he'd have thrown twenty five or thirty pitches. <clears throat> Obviously, he warmed up in the bullpen and he threw well thirteen pitches in the game. Twelve were strikes. He struck out four guys. Didn't he? Didn't throw a ball. Yeah, he did throw a ball. He did throw a ball because it wasn't an immaculate inning in the ninth. <clears throat> um, our, our we could really hit. I mean, Cody Valentin. <clears throat> was uh, best shortstop defensively and offensively we've ever had. Almost had 100 hits, probably had 80 RBIs. He made five errors going into Grand Junction. I think he made two at Grand Junction. Five errors in the 60 games before we got to Grand Junction. He was a redshirt freshman. He redshirted with us the year before. Um, uh, was that ne- necessary redshirt? Was, was he hurt? Yeah. You just nope. felt like he needed the he needed the year. Pretty year, and we had two really good middle infielders. He wasn't going to play a lot. Just the perfect redshirt story. <clears throat> uh, Juan Correa broke our home run record. 
uh, was the MVP of the World Series. Edwin Toribio was our leading home run guy going into the state tournament, but he got hit in the hand and broke his hand in an inter-squad game before the regional. Um, unbelievable offensive season. John Morant led the state in hitting. I think he hit 460 after the regular season. He's going to Georgia. Um, so the middle of our lineup, Carson Bain probably had seven or eight home runs and hit 350 or so. Offensively, really, really tough one through nine. Really tough one through nine. Um, pitching side, you know, really two starters that we counted on, Brian Holiday and Andrew Herman, and then the bullpen was really good. Isaac Sewell out of the bullpen won nine or ten games with us. And just really, really good and long relief role. Really, really good. And Cam Schulke on the back end. I guess he went viral on Twitter a couple of times with all of his arm angles and everything. He's going to Mississippi State. Um, Cam Schulke at the at the back end of our bullpen, the best closer we've ever had. So uh, offense and bullpen. Offense and bullpen. Bullpen, I learned a lot this year about how, you know, 35 years in, you, you better learn something. But I tell you what having it is the best bullpen we've ever had and obviously you win a national championship so i kind of put those two together on some recency bias going through my mind so i say hey we gotta have a great bullpen every year you gotta have more than that but, it's easier said than done <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, boy what a good bullpen we had keller eberly is going to texas state just had a really good major uh, mlb draft league summer um, so we had, you know, two good arms in the middle of the bullpen and one really, really, really good arm at the back end of our bullpen and two starters. And, you know, usually you need more than two starters to win a national championship. But with the bullpen that we had and the offense that we had that could outscore other bullpens, it led to a 56 and seven season and national championship. So it wasn't like we were, you know, throwing out four horses out there to start on, on, in our conference games and things like that, we just would outscore teams and our bullpen was able to shut down bullpens. Do you have to go out of state at all for players? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cam Schulke's from Michigan. Uh, John Brandt's from Atlanta area. Thad Ector's from the Atlanta area. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Andrew Herman's a, a Kennesaw, Georgia kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you finally through COVID roster? I think this year was the first year we did not have a COVID guy, a COVID redshirt guy. Yep, we finally are. Now it's portal. Now it's portal roster. I was going to ask you about the portal, like your thoughts on on all of that. If kids, high school kids thought COVID took up roster spots and held you back after you were graduating to go to a school, you're – Boy, wait till you find out what the portal is doing to your your options as far as a high school senior that didn't commit as a sophomore or junior or whatever. Um, it, it's it's just uh, and it's and it's affecting the junior college recruiting as well. Uh, Caleb Cali, who is at Arkansas, just signing signing with the Mariners tomorrow, I believe, was the best player in the state last year. He was an All American first team. Uh, had a really good World Series for us and just didn't have anywhere. I mean, he, he had some offers. He had some offers, but he, he's an SEC-type guy, ACC, Power 5-type player, and he, he didn't have an offer from any of those and just waited and waited till after the World Series last year, probably June 25th, June 20th. Uh, Arkansas said, hey, we saw you in the World Series. We like you, and he goes to Arkansas and hits in the – somewhere between the three and the six hole for them all year and gets drafted in the 15th, 16th round signs. And 
any any year before that with COVID, obviously, you know, Arkansas is waiting to see how the portal plays out after LSU and Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Florida get who they want to get. And that all has to settle out and then boom, go to maybe those junior college hitters. And same thing with John Morant this summer. Same thing with John Morant. Unbelievable. Two years with us. Great hitter. Good World Series. Uh, and then just wait for everything to play out. And, uh, you know, the, the West Johnson staff at Georgia um, finally said, hey, yeah, we got, we got some money for you. So he's a Georgia kid, and that's his dream school. That's where he wanted to go. So that worked out, but it did not happen till I, I'm, I'm guessing late June, June 25th is an area. I mean, and this is these are really, really good players that are just having to wait for all this portal movement to settle out. And it is what it is. You know, coaches have to do what they do to, to get the best players and guys they can get in there under the new rules and they're going to do that. So after that all settles out, you know, maybe it comes down to those junior college guys that are left. Well, and where the draft's at now doesn't help either. It, yeah. it, it's it's delayed everything where the draft is now yeah so we're we're in the same boat the high schools are in uh, our guys you know unless you commit in the fall in the fall unless you commit in the fall spring there's you're gonna have to roll the dice and and uh play the waiting game a little bit and it's worked out the guys that have done that <clears throat> for us <clears throat> it's worked out for them yeah it's just taking time Players coming to Florida Junior College, they going for pro ball or four-year school, or is it a mix of guys? Mix of guys. They all have, you know, obviously pro would be 1A, would be their 1A choice, um, I would think. Um, after that, you know, they want to go to a Power 5 school. And when I talk a lot, this thing acts up. But uh, when they go to a Power 5 school, they, they it'd be, you know, obviously – Major League Baseball and professional chance and then and then a power five and then you know that it is what it is how, how these kids think I that, that's how they think that's not what I think it should be but what it is are you still really active on the recruiting trail uh we're still looking for a couple arms I'm right talking about now. you personally like do you do you get out and see a lot of games now are you relying on your assistance for a lot no. of that now no, and my assistants don't get out a lot either. They get out in Florida. They get out in Florida. They they'll uh, they'll see kids, man. Between video, social media, contacts, um, pro scouts. No, nah, we're not getting out. We're certainly not going to Atlanta and going through some of that craziness. Um, you know, we we might get down to uh, to Jupiter or Fort Myers once a year. Other than that, it's it's trying to stay fairly close in Florida and leaning on uh, past contacts and, and uh, high school coaches. And I've been in it long enough on who to, who to trust when they call me and say, Hey, we got a guy, he's your kind of guy, that type of thing. And we host some showcases here. Um, so in some, in a, in a little high school tournament here in, in the fall and, I tell you what, between, you know, summer leagues and things like that, we do have some coaches coaching out summer leagues that keep the eyes out for players. So, it, no, we're, we're there is not a big recruiting trail here. I'm not on it, nor are my assistants. My assistants are on the phones and, and things like that. But me, no. When you say your type of guy, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, recently it's been an offensive, a physical type kid that can that can hit it out of the park. Um, and they know, uh, you know, 
it's hard to explain the the, the type of player that we like uh, i mean we 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 graduate kids we have a 3.2 gpa and um but everybody has that it used to be in juco you know you were like me the two seven guy that was just trying to to, to, to battle through some of the best students i ever had were the juco guys oh yeah yeah no it's it's uh, good students good kids um you know and, and and you know lately we've just we've we hit 120 home runs this year and 100 last year and parks average you know there's times when it plays small there's times when it plays really really big but but i tell you what we 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 have uh i'm guilty of we have been lately looking for the the guy that can hit it out of the park and drive it and um we've been pretty fortunate the last few years to do that and th those are the guys that that are gonna you know that have a chance to move on to the division one uh, power five level because you know I, you can say what you want about abundant and small ball and everything else, but we're trying to get the guys to schools, to the biggest schools that they want to go to. And they're going to do that by proving that they can, you know, produce runs and hit doubles and home runs and driving runs and things like that. So we've been looking. Yeah. But you look at your stats though. You're almost one-to-one -one walks to strikeout. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, bad. I mean, I, you know, and that's yeah. usually what you think. Okay. Guys okay. trying to send it, they're going to swing and miss a lot, but your numbers, you're, you're almost one-to-one -one strike out to wall. That's the hardest thing to teach. My son is, is obviously with the twins as a, as a coordinator, but and that's, that's a really hard thing to teach is, is by ball strike recognition and keeping it in the strike zone. It gets important. The more you go up and the zone gets tighter, the more you go up too. So, oh yeah, it's a big part of what Jason Rose does on our hitting side. Um, and we know on base uh, percentage is just as important as anything else. So we're a big part of that too. Yeah. How was it coaching your son? It was okay. He's easy. He's easy. He wasn't, he was a, as a freshman, he was kind of a 50, 50 starter as a sophomore. He, he started more. Um, but I, you know, it, it was fun. He's easy. He's easy. He's a quiet kid. And, uh, you know, yeah, probably heard more from his mom when he's on the bench than than I did from him. Uh, definitely, he wouldn't say a word. But now it, it was fun. Then he went on to about Austin State and played in Division Two there. He started there two years and had a good, nice little career. So it was good. It was fine. Did you actively recruit him? Nah, it was kind of a given. Probably was when it? he was in probably in a baseball camp and six years old. To the time he left, he he wasn't leaving our field. He's kind of a homebody. He he doesn't go too far. He doesn't go too far. But yeah, that, that was an easy one. Yeah, it was a good spot for him. You know, with him being in pro ball, was that an easy conversation for him to be like, hey, dad, there's some things that you're not doing with the guys that, that maybe you should look into doing? Yeah, and he has a funky way of saying them. Uh, he has a, the, the, the way to kind of just sneak them in there. But see, he he kind of grew up with the assistant coaches that I had at that time, Zach Bove and John Koenigsfeld. He'd been around them, so he was with me and with them. And so they kind of <clears throat> they would team up on me in the nicest way possible. Uh, but now I, I, they know I'm easy to to explain something to. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I'm I'm Marty, John, Zach. We we are not coach whatever. None of us still um we're uh we're our first name basis around here and that's the players and the coaches and everybody else um 
So, so I, I, I mean, I, I hope it, it wasn't too difficult for them to say, hey, we, we need to stop doing this and we need to do this. But it was more of, hey, let's try this. And uh, man, the, the, these kids that have proven to me as a players and as people that they were smart and well-read and, and uh, they had back, they had everything they were telling me backed up. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it was proven that uh, what they were going to tell me or suggest to me uh, worked. And, and I was, I was a pretty easy, um, I was a pretty easy, you know, convince. How were you balancing family when your kids were growing up? How were you balancing family and baseball? It was tough. Now, my wife's been with the post office. She was retired about a year and a half ago, but she was with the post office. So she worked every Saturday. You know, the mail gets delivered on Saturday and baseball games are every Saturday. So thank God my mom and dad, who aren't with us anymore, were able to come down on Saturdays and maybe split. They're two hours away in Jacksonville. But uh, I mean, Saturdays, there was just there was no daycare and there was no child care. If my kid wasn't able to be around the field, my parents had to come down and help us. And and uh, yeah, it was it, it, it got tough on Saturdays. You know, the rest was, you know, you had child care here and there. And then my wife would get off work and be able to pick them up. But on Saturdays, you know, you got a one o'clock game and you got two kids that that, you know, maybe shouldn't be around the baseball field safety-wise in certain parts, and uh, you just needed some help. So we got a lot of help from my parents there. And then uh, as it got older, it was – we played 3 o'clock games. We do not <clears throat> have lights at our field. So I was able to uh, play our game at 3 o'clock and get over on the other side of town and see my son play at 7 o'clock or see my daughter dance at 7 o'clock or swim at 6 o'clock. So – Thank goodness for us not having lights. I was able to be able to to see some of it, in a lot of his baseball games and a lot of her events as well. So uh, if we'd have had lights, that would have been tough. And they kept asking me, you want lights? I'm like, no, I want to see my kids play at night. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, my wife was a big fan when we were at places that didn't have lights. She was a huge yeah. fan. James Madison, we'd have lights. Western, we'd have lights. I don't, know it's like. I don't know what it's like to not have lights, so I don't even want to go there. <laughs> Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to set you back, but looking now, it helped you move forward? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, nine, uh, 2003 through 2016. Uh, I just, just, we weren't very, I, I was, I was stuck, not, not stuck in my way. We, we were just stale and we didn't have many losing records. We might've had one losing one or two losing records. We just weren't, playing as deep into the year as we needed to and uh and uh, as far as that goes just kind of embarrassed of, of some things that we did and did too much of and wasted players times and didn't get players as good as they should have gotten and helped them get to better schools or whatever and it is what it is they're all pretty much successful um and doing what they're doing but um no i i, I could there's some cringeworthy things that that i did you know from in a, in a dozen years there that eh, it just we weren't getting players better we weren't getting players better and moving them on to the schools they should have gone to and and uh, had more success wins and losses wise how do you look yourself in the mirror and do that though not everybody can do that not everybody can be like hey i, I need to make some changes here be because i i learned from it because i learned from it and i'm not still doing it i guess i guess that's the only reason because it, it it's you know yeah man and then uh 
but uh, because we have, have not just turned around on the wins and losses, but the, the, where we're sending players and the, and the kids that we're putting out and, and the, the wins and losses, the wins are a byproduct of what we're doing, but, but we're getting them better. They're getting chances in pro ball. Um, our scout day usually has all 30 teams here and we're giving kids opportunities of, of the dream that they want to do to get them in front of pro scouts and, get them to the highest of the division one levels and uh and and what we've changed and turned around and still long way from probably long long way from uh, being as good as i can be and my coaches can be uh but but that's been you know i, you know, I can lay my head on my pillow and say at least we're on the right track of, of doing things the right way and getting kids better and not wasting their time when they're out there in even in the fall, 95 degree heat in Florida and humidity and just uh, on the field from whatever, 2 to 5.30 or 2.30 to 6 or whatever, just kind of working on the wrong things and wasting too much time. I mean, you're on the ground floor of this. You're sending coaches on. You're sending players on. For a young coach that's trying to get into this thing, what would you recommend that they kind of dive into first to kind of help them where baseball's at now? Go into everything with an open mind and, and kind of the old growth mindset and just learn something every day. Read. Don't think that you know it all. Uh, you don't. I don't. We don't. Jerry Weinstein don't. Uh, and he knows more Baseball than Yoda. Any, he knows more than anything of anyone of baseball in this on this planet. And he wakes up every morning saying, what do I, what, what am I going to learn today about baseball and share and teach and, and uh, get out there? It's unbelievable. Um, and that's a guy that knows more than everybody's forgotten about baseball. Um, so just, just go into that mindset and, and uh, man, social media is a, a great place to learn really good stuff and filter out. Uh, Consider the source. I yeah, say it all the time. Yeah. Consider the source filter out stuff that that you know and then think about it you know and don't don't say oh this is crap this is bad this is terrible you know maybe uh, why is it or why is it and you're not right on everything and i'm not right on everything um but i don't know just just want to learn something every day and don't get stuck in ways and and uh i don't know go to as many you know conventions and and uh and the clinics that you can go to and lean on your players, ask your players, what did your high school coach do here? Um, your, let your coaches coach, let your young coaches coach that, that, that are, that are, you know, hungry and, and ready to learn new stuff and learn stuff from them every day. And I don't know, just, just go into it with an open mind to, to try to learn something every day and see what the good teams are doing out there that works and wins. And, um, I don't know. We don't know it all by any means, but but we are, I think, on the right track as far as, you know, getting players better. And that's what the ultimate goal is if you're a coach. And I tell you, I, I gave less than a handful, less than five signals, offensive signals in, in Grand Junction from uh, Saturday to Saturday through the whole tournament. It, it is, let them play, let them coach themselves, get them to the point where they can coach themselves and and out of those five signals, probably three were first and third place. I, I don't, 
you know, if we gave a couple offensive signals, I don't even think we put anything on it. Was a, it was a, we, we'll put our players on their own to run. I mean, some guys have the green light, so we really don't have steel signals. So, um, have you always you know, managed from the dugout? No, I stopped uh, about five years ago. I get smoked in the back twice. I said, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. What, John's what were the situations when you got hit? Oh, runner on third, you know. Uh, too I was, too uh, close to the batter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Just, always behind the runner. I, I always went behind the runner. I, I, I did. I started doing that, but. Um, no, one just chased me. I thought I moved the correct way, but it had that spin coming over and it didn't, it didn't hurt. It would got me in a good spot in the back, but I think there were two in a year. There was just like, all right, that's it. That's it. I, I'm, I'm done. Waved the white flag and John Caneysfeld has gone over there and just been great. So, but I, I was glad. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. Do you have any favorite books? You talked about reading a lot. Do you have any favorite books? Um, Let's see. I, I'm on, and my memory is my memory is horrible. But um, you know, I've gone through some of the uh, uh, r right off the top of my head. I, I tell you, I, I'm reading LeBron right now, and I'm like 18 chapters in. Had no idea about LeBron James, it, like his background, his 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 upbringing, and that type thing. So over the summer, it's more kind of some fun reading. But um, I can't even think of the names of the books that's sitting on my desk at home. I'm 12 chapters in. Uh, coaching uh, the, the Green and Black book by, by what's his name? Uh, uh, terrible, terrible reading books. Uh, terrible at remembering um, the names of the books. But um, I'm trying to think of favorites in the in the plat. And the only ones that are coming to my mind are the, are the fun ones that I've read, like LeBron and... Uh, and I just finished Jeff Perlman's on Bo Jackson. Um, so you're more of a were, biography guy then. I am the a biography guy. Speak to you the biographies. I am a bi I, I am a biography guy, but I've you know on the on the the improvement books um, sitting on my desk right now, and I can't think of the, the name of it. Uh, coaching coaching coaches uh, educating coaches. Uh, I can't think of it. I can't even think of the name of it. But there's none that really. A lot that that have have I've learned from, but it, it's a kind of a pick and choose from from chapters here and there. It's it's based on soccer. It's based on coaching soccer, but it's Lamov. It's Doug Lamov, L E M O V. He's got a great podcast, uh, by the way. Yeah, does he? Yes, Doug Lamov is the author. It's sitting on yeah. My Doug Lamov's got a great. He's yeah. got a great podcast. And it went about. It, it was mostly about soccer, yeah. but but. Uh, you could translate it into the, the coaching baseball player. So it was really good. Do you have any evening or morning routines that you go to? I mean, that you like, that you're pretty steady with your evening or morning routines? Not really. Not really. Um, no, I, I took over as the athletic director last June. Um, so I'm, you know, in the morning, I'm an, I'm an athletic director from, uh, you know, nine o'clock to, to 12 30 or one uh, grab a little bite to eat and then head over to the baseball field was but, that by uh, choice or did they ask you to be the ad they asked me when the ad retired they asked me and i'm towards the end i'm, I'm in what's called the drop program now which is a deferred retirement option program you can do it for six to eight years so i'm or five to eight years so i'm in that and and uh 
but I'm I'm enjoying baseball, and we only have three sports. I'm it's women's uh, softball, uh, it's women's cross country, and us. So it's not like I'm the athletic director of 15 sports. It's easy. It's um, but it's 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 fun, and it's it gets me a little bit more involved. I've been at CF for now. 90 for 23 years and two years as a player so uh, it's been a big part of my life here at this college and why not finish up as a as a little bit of a uh, an athletic director as well so it, it's it's challenging it's learning some new stuff about compliance and eligibility and handling some situations but it's good basically my i'm sure the coaches enjoy it it's probably nice to have an athletic director that actually coaches yeah, yeah. And the softball coach played for me uh, a while back, uh, back in 94, 95. So, and we just added women's cross country. So that's a new sport and she's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess so. They, they understand. I mean, I understand from a coach's point of view. How great is the state of Florida with no state income tax? Uh, it's good, but I don't know of any other. So. <laughs> All I know is all I know is that I hear about it and I go, oh, that kind of stinks for them. <laughs> <laughs> my so parents moving from Illinois to Florida. Their uh, smartest really? thing my parents ever did was get out of Illinois and, and go to Pensacola. <clears throat> oh, okay. Is that where they are? Yes. Nice. Yep. Very. Yep. So what are some final thoughts before I let you go, Coach? Um, I don't know. Not much. Just, uh, Man, don't don't uh, always try to continue to learn something from from your assistant coaches. If you hire good coaches, um, read a lot, listen to Jerry Weinstein. Um, social media is good. It could be good. It can be absolutely great. But filter out what you need to filter out. Um, and trust your assistant coaches. That's that's all I can say. I mean, I, I really, really get a lot of credit and won coaches of the year for the last two years for winning championships. But, man, the, the guys that I have working for me are unbelievable, and they make me look good. And I'm telling you, uh, the best thing I've done is is open that up to them and learn from them and, and – um, and, uh, don't think that I know it all. So I don't know. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Don't overcoach. Don't overcoach too many signals, too many, uh, just, just coach up your players to, to swing and hit it hard. And, uh, you know, use those, those rapsodos to develop some pitches and, 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 uh, velocity is important. Um, hitting the ball hard exit velocity is important um yeah but you're, you're doing both though like you talk about that you know your your pitchers i mean you look at talked about holiday i mean look at his his numbers were gross like he had 141 k's and 32 walks and 88 innings yeah that's uh he's he's a freak he's a he's an outlier um competitive wise stuff wise Proprioceptive feel for a curveball that's unbelievable, so unbelievable that uh, in our next second series against Santa Fe in the bullpen, our pitching coach said, let's try throwing a slider. And I think he got 14 swing and miss sliders right after he started throwing it in the bullpen in the Santa Fe game. And a scout left and said, "I'm, what is that? And I said, it's a new slider. He started throwing in the bullpen today. And he said, well, I'm putting a 55 on that today. 
and uh, it's unbelievable so that kind of feel and that kind of kind of outlier freakishness of a kid that has that sort of uh feel to pitch um is 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 off the chart had he all be, always been able to spin the ball oh yeah fastball curveball little change up kind of a third pitch didn't use it a whole bunch and I think, you know, I think that's an innate ability for some kids. Like they're able to spin the ball. Some kids just can't do that. I think if you see a kid in high school that's able to spin it, they're always going to be able to spin it. But if a kid can't spin it in high school, it's probably going to take him a while to figure that out. Or it might be a cutter. They may never spin it. It might go to a cutter. Right. You're right. Our pitching coach caught a, taught a few cutters this year and it helped. But Brian, we're playing Santa Fe for the second time through. And they were good. They made an adjustment on him, and they were kind of fouling off his breaking ball and hitting his fastball and said, man, we might need a slider against these guys. Unbelievable. And in his bullpen session, it starts, and, and our catcher comes back to the dugout just shaking his head and, and saying, this thing's unhittable. It's like 14 swinging misses in four or five innings. I want to say it was a shortened game because maybe the run rule or something, but he – uh just picked it up like right away and it, and it changed his whole uh, plethora of pitches for the rest of the season. And then he came back a couple of times and didn't quite have that slider, but then he did at the end of the year when we needed against Miami Dade in the, in the district uh, where he threw seven or eight shutout innings. <clears throat> and then obviously in the, in the shutout against Andrew in the world series. And then, um, just unbelievable feel to be able to spin a pitch like he can. Thanks for your time, Coach. Appreciate you. You're welcome, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm so grateful to host the ABCA podcast as I continue to get introduced to great coaches every week. Congrats to Coach Smith and the Patriots program on their first national championship. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Wait for another